Our Gospel reading, as Richard told us, comes from the very beginning of the Gospel of John. And you'll notice with the words up there, there's stuff about John the Baptist in this reading, and I thought it might be a good idea to take those out for the clarity of the poetic language that John uses. So I've chopped and changed a bit and just removed those bits. But when you go home, you can reinsert them and see how it all fits together because it does and there's a whole lot of things that could be said about that. But we're just going to deal with these. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. And without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life. And the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him. Yet, the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But, to all who received him, who believed in his name... He gave power to become children of God who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son full of grace and truth. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. In the beginning, Genesis has God created. Matthew has an account of the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham the Jewish Messiah, a claim of a real world saviour, longed for. Mark has the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the most blatant of political statements in a world where there was only one Son of God, the Caesar. The beginning of a real world kingdom that Jesus would somehow bring into being. Luke has a whole cast of characters, (coughs) Zachariah and Elizabeth, Joseph and Mary, Caesar Augustus, Governor Quirinius. It's grounded in time, Augustus and Quirinius. Augustus was Caesar. 
grounded in place. It happened in Bethlehem and in Nazareth. A real thing happening in the, re in the real world. And then we have John. In the beginning was, not God, not God did, not events happened. In the beginning was, in the Greek, ho logos, which we generally translate as the word. It's quite different, isn't it? It's like a whole different thing. And people, you could, and people have, and probably still are, writing whole thesis and PhD work on just that word and why John begins the gospel that way. In Genesis, we know that God spoke the world into being. That's the story that we're told. The power of God comes through the way God speaks. So you can understand one of the right reasons, perhaps, why John chose that word logos. It's God is speaking, and the speaking of God is God as well. The power of God is in God's speech. There's a divineness, a godness in just the words and the sound. Everything God does and says is God. Everything God makes is filled with godness or divinity. So John is reaching for something that is identifiable but also integrated somehow in the whole of the word, of the world. So why did he choose Logos? It had all kinds of different shades of meaning when the author of John's Gospel was alive and when Jesus himself was alive earlier. Uh, it, it originally meant gathering or organising. Uh, then it, it began to, to take on the meaning of argument, uh, having an argument, not, not arguing with somebody, but making an argument, um, of relating, of conversation. The great Middle Ages scholar Erasmus once said that um, you could quoted as, in the beginning was the conversation. It began to take on the meaning of reason or understanding, uh, essence or grounding, meaning, idea, concept, thought. All of these swirled around the understanding of the world, of the word, word, logos, thought. When I think of it as the Thought, I think of the quote from James Jeans, the British uh, physicist and astronomer, who said that the world, the universe is beginning to look more like a great thought than a great machine. And our understanding of quantum physics, mind being almost zilch, but from what I can understand, um, the world is more energy than it is stuff. Everything is related, everything is interacting. John is reaching for these sort of things. So you could try this first part of the text with some of these terms. If we said in the beginning was the energy and the energy was with God and the energy was God, that energy was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through that energy and without energy, not one thing came into being. Or relationship. In the beginning was the relationship. And the relationship was with God and the relationship was God. Or in the beginning was the meaning. And the meaning was with God and the meaning was God. That meaning was at the beginning with God. All things came into being through that meaning. And go on and on. 
So what is this essence or energy or meaning? What is this relationship? What is it like? What, is its, what are its attributes? Well, later in the poem, immediately after this, John says, what has come into being in that one was life. And the life was the light of all people. Life and light, I think, particularly in an agrarian society, are interchangeable. You can't have life without light. If the sun ain't shining, the crops ain't growing. It's essential. Now, we know that too, but we don't have it in the same visceral way unless we're growing a vegetable garden and we're not getting much rain. And you know, we, we, we're aware of the sun and its importance. What has come into being is life. One of the great tests, I reckon, for how we should spend our time in 2021 is a simple test of is this thing that I'm engaged in, reading, listening to, doing, is it giving life or is it sucking life? If it's giving life, according to John, it's godness in the world. It's a terrible word to use, godness, but it, it's the action of God in the world. It's giving life. In fact, Jesus himself said in later in this same gospel, I have come to bring life and to bring it in all its abundance. Now, we often recognise when we're in an experience of life-giving. And we certainly can recognise when we're in an experience of life-sucking. There are some people that you can spend your time with who are so negative about everything that after you leave their presence, you're exhausted because they've sort of tried to suck something out of you. They've tried to make you somehow like them, maybe not on purpose, but it's just the way they've found themselves to be over time. And there are other people you can spend time with who when you leave, you're just enormously filled with life. I've never seen the Dalai Lama in person. I've seen him on TV and videos and so on. But I know people who've been in meetings with him with thousands of other people. And the Dalai Lama doesn't actually say a great deal. And when he says stuff, he spends as much time laughing as he does talking. You can go and watch him on YouTube. But people say when they leave that experience, there's just this extraordinary sense that their life is somehow bigger than it was when they went in. I had a great opportunity many years ago of being in the presence of Desmond Tutu, uh, who, who was a great friend of the Dalai Lama. In fact, they wrote a book together a couple of years ago. Uh, he was speaking at a conference that we were running, and, and I was involved in that. And he was amazing, and I can't tell you why. I have no idea what he said, although what he said mesmerised all these young people. There were thousands of us. But just his presence somehow gave life. So I understand, and I'm sure you do too, that there are times when we're living and being, and, and being given abundance of life and there are times when it's certainly being taken away. So that might be a test. And then it says, and the world became flesh and dwelt among us and lived among us. Uh, some of the translations have said that it's a very strange word being used there, lived among us. It means, or one way it means is, God is pitching a tent amongst us, which would have made real sense to the Jews because they had this thing called the tabernacle, which was this movable temple. 
They weren't in a time and place where they could build one in that early stages, so they built this tent and they moved it with them and that was the presence of God. So the idea that God pitches a tent among us, or as one of the modern translations says, God moved into the neighbourhood. It's the sense of the deep essence, relationship, experience of God present with us. And this is John's best go at it. Whole logos, or the word. And when you look at this sculpture, you see it a bit there. This baby, obviously the Christ child, is emerging out of the rock. You can see sort of half buried in the rock. And of course, the great story we have of the beginning of everything is that the human beings emerged out of the dirt, out of the actual stuff of the ground, the stuff where everything of value comes from. Everything comes out of the ground. If we don't have things coming out of the ground, we die. This baby is half submerged, half emerging. It's coming up. It's all connected. The world became flesh and lived among us. It means, according to John, that all of creation is is what, to, to use a technical term in the church, a means of grace. That's what we do in baptism. Is It's a means of grace. That's what we're going to do in a minute in communion. It's a means of grace. What, it, what we mean by it is that we will take the ordinary stuff that we do all the time and we will say, we recognise this is infused with the godness of God, with the divinity, with the energy of the universe, with all the dust that made up the whole of the universe from every star that has exploded, all the stuff we know but all different language for saying the same thing. It's the essence and the meaning of everything and it is already infused in your whole being. All of creation is a means of grace, including the people sitting next to you, including you yourself. The idea that you could be a means of grace to yourself when you are probably, if you're like the rest of us, if you're like me, You are your own worst critic. You know more about how hopeless and useless you are than you would ever tell anyone else. And in fact, if you were as mean to other people as you are to yourself, you wouldn't have any friends. We're our own worst critic. The idea that I personally, me, in all of my, and I know most of my faults, I'm sure there's a lot more and you could point them out to me, please don't. I'm struggling enough as it is. But I know a lot of them. But the idea that even I could be a means of grace to myself, that I could see within myself the actual action, activity, energy and presence of God. It's a big part of, I think, what John wants to say in this. And like I said, you know, you could write a PhD thesis on this in every different way. And that's why I left out the stuff about John, because that could... Add a whole lot of other stuff, John the Baptist. But this is the this is one thing that whole logos, the word, becoming flesh like you and me and being present here. It's one of the things it can mean. I have come that you might have life and have it in all its abundance. So be it.